join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass Tactical Podcast. I'm Haydar Obani. Welcome back. I know you guys have been missing myself and Rob over the international break. I hope you're all keeping safe. And Manchester United have won, Rob, 2-1. Look, it looked like United were going to drop points tonight. We had a pretty poor performance, but United came up with the goals. A goal by Marcus Rashford, a goal by Mason Greenwood, also a goal by Danny Welbeck. That's uh, three Manchester United graduates scoring, which is fantastic to see. Welcome back. How are you doing, mate? And uh, what were your thoughts on tonight's performance? Well, we dodged a bullet today. And as I keep saying about United, especially at the end of the season, is performances don't really matter. We can talk about performances and that's what we're going to do today. What matters is results. So we're at the back end of the season now and it's about winning games. And when you look at this weekend, who didn't win? Well, Chelsea didn't win. Leicester didn't win. Manchester United did win. And that's all that really matters today. I think it was a, an abject performance. I think it's maybe some of the things we've seen this season that have been repeating themselves consistently about certain positions, certain style of play, certain tactics. But overall, what was good was that, again, if you go 1-0 down, you've got to kind of dig in and do the work and get back into the game. I don't think Brighton were that great today. I, I, you know, I've already heard on the TV about how great Brighton were. And I think Brighton were OK in the first half. They got their goal. They put United under some pressure. They probably deserved the lead. But I think United just did enough in that second half to earn the points. I'd agree with that. I thought Brighton, usually they're a bit more attacking. They dominate possession a little bit more, Rob. But I thought they just sat back today, really. And United had the task of breaking down Brighton. Let's start with the formation, 4-2-3-1. We saw Henderson picked over De Gea. We'll address that a little bit later. Usual defence, Lindelof and Bailly. But I think the biggest thing we saw today was Pogba in that double pivot with Fred. Now, I think a lot of fans want to see Pogba back in the side. I'm one of them. You're one of them as well. Um, but it didn't really work today, did it, Rob? You're looking at sort of the combination, perhaps. For me, I still think Pogba can play a bit deeper. Um, but you obviously don't really think that. And we saw with Cavani up top, with Marcus and Mason, Martial spraining his knee as well. That's that's a big thing, possibly out for the season. It's a really big problem, possibly for United, if Cavani carries on playing like this, um, you know, or for example, if he picks up an injury. But uh, look, United got the result today, but it wasn't vintage, was it? No, it wasn't vintage. And I think when you, you highlight those two players there, Pogba and Cavani, there's lots to talk about. And I think there are repetitive issues and also maybe certain things about the players themselves in terms of the fit of what United need at the moment. Now, just starting off with Paul Pogba, it's not that Paul Pogba can't play the double pivot. Paul Pogba can absolutely play the, the double pivot. There's no doubt about it. Is it the best place to play Paul Pogba in this Manchester United team? That's the tip I'm on. So we've had this conversation a lot about, you know, what do you need? Do you need facilitators in the double pivot? So what I mean by that is obviously the ball being passed out from the back. Or do you then risk with the simple stuff that you maybe lose the ball, which is what happened. Brighton scored the goal. And what happened? The ball went wide. And when the ball gets sw swung into the box, United make a mess of it. Bad defence, bad goal. So when I look at Paul Pogba, the Paul Pogba I want to see is the one we saw in the second half, which is the guy controlling the tempo a little bit more, getting the ball going and getting you into that final third. And there's no doubt that in the second half, he was doing that more. In the first half, he was quite deep. Um, we've said this before about the double pivot in terms of how it moves. So when you play two players back there, and it's normally Fred and one, that Fred will kind of be the defensive midfielder and the other play will almost be a box-to-box. -box. Not a genuine box-to-box, -box, but a kind of quasi version of a box-to-box, -box, given license to go forward, you could say. So Pogba had that in the first half, but I don't think it works. It's not his game. He doesn't, he doesn't look comfortable in those pockets of the pitch. He looks much more comfortable when he's in the final third. That's Paul Pogba that we all know and love. The, third, the, the second goal for United, obviously, he's the one at the back post there, swinging his boot at it, comes back in, and obviously, Mason gets his head on the ball. But 
That's where I want Paul Pogba playing. I don't want Paul Pogba picking the ball up off Harry Maguire. He can do it. There are times when he's going to have to do it. But against Brighton and Hove Albion, that's not where I want control in the pitch. I don't want to think, oh, Danny Welbeck's a problem because Danny Welbeck shouldn't be a problem. United should be bypassing him like that. And they weren't in the first half. Uh, in the second half, I think they sorted that problem out. It was a little bit of a conundrum. They played further up the pitch and Paul Pogba played a little bit further up the pitch and it worked. Uh, and that was the reason why Manchester United won this game. I definitely agree with the the idea that the further forward you get Paul Pogba, the the more effect he has on the game. You want to get him in and around the box. You want to get him, you know, picking up those, those pockets of space. You want him to get him on the ball further up. He does have that tendency, doesn't he, Rob, to either... He does get caught on the ball. Look, we're both massive Pogba fans, but he does get caught on the ball deep or he does misplay, misplace passes. And we saw with the goal today, I mean, look, that. let's go through that goal because for me, that was just shocking. Absolutely shocking. I think it was a catalogue of errors. I think Pogba gave the ball away. I'm not going to go on Lindelof too much, but he did mistime his jump. But the real problem for me, and we saw this in the last game against Brighton where we won 3-2. How many times did Wan-Bissaka lose the man on, the in, you know, on his inside? That was really poor defending. And... And that's the problem with United, you know, these sort of mistakes that they make conceding from crosses or set pieces. I know we didn't concede today, but we're so poor defensively. And when your forward line isn't firing like it is at the moment, it's really difficult to win games. Now, United have found a way this year. And I think that's that's a big positive. We found a way to win games when we've been really, really poor. And we weren't doing that last season, but it's still, it's not sustainable, is it? It's a, it's a problem going forward. If you're going to be doing this and you're relying on, somehow winning games you know you're going to come unstuck and we have seen that you know maybe a couple of months ago where United did come unstuck yeah it's not sustainable in the sense that if you have repetitive issues in your team and you don't solve them whether that be with a new player coming in to fix it or whether you get on the training pitch and find a way then eventually you'll get punished over and over again so you said you're not going to go in on Lindelof there I'll go in on Lindelof so let's look at it this way Paul Pogba gives the ball away. So if you're playing Paul Pogba deep, there's every chance that with the simple stuff, he might give it away. Not regularly, but it's a, it's a risk, isn't it? You know, you'd say that, wouldn't you? In that, that part of the pitch, if Pogba gives the ball away, you could then get done on the counter-attack or in transition. So that's what happens. So Pogba gives the ball away, the ball ends up on the right-hand side of the pitch. And for me, the worry is then is that the ball gets swung in. So what have we seen over and over and over again this season and last season and forevermore? And that is that, a Man United defender gets caught under the ball. Happens all the time. So Maguire's in his correct position. Lindelof is the guy in the middle of the pitch. And Lindelof has to time that jump, whether he gets a little flick on the ball or a full head or something. But he's got to stop that ball. But unfortunately, what you see there, as you highlighted, with Wan-Bissaka, and we have done shows on this over and over again, certainly more at the start of the season than maybe recently, is that he lets the striker dominate the channel inside him. So when that ball's coming in, Wan-Bissaka's got to use all his physicality to get in front of Danny Welbeck. Now, this is Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck, who can hardly find the club, Danny Welbeck. This is not Danny Welbeck who played for Man United. This is kind of a guy at the end of his cycle, of his career. You know, he's, he's a bit older now. He's, he's in that kind of realm where he he wants those chances, doesn't he, at the back post there, just one-one to get his head. Now, he gets a good head on it, good save by Henderson. But also what upset me with the goal was that Wamasaka and Lindelof just don't react quick enough. When that ball is flipped there, one of your defenders has got to throw their body at it. Get across that line, do something. What happens? Welbeck nods it home. It's an easy goal. So we've seen it before, Haydar. And this is the problem is that it is a repetitive issue. And it becomes horses for courses because one week we're blaming Maguire being too slow. Then we're saying that Lindelof can't cover. Then we're saying that Wambasaka ain't great in the channel. The only player that we can't criticise at the moment in that defence, of course, is Luke Shaw, who looks like a world-class left-back. And even today, Luke Shaw just looks assured. Everything he does... It's fantastic, Rob. He, he's, on, at, he's playing at a level like this and he's just playing like that every single week. And he's playing in his head. Like I said this, I think, in our last show, that he's just thinking, I'm going to do what my job is and to hell with everyone else because my job is this and I've worked it out and that's what I'm going to do. So even today, you know, you could see that if he wanted to overlap, he was trying to do that. He's the guy trying to push into the channel, trying to actually help Rashford in those moments. And he's doing his defensive work as well. now. People can say, could he have got closer to the to uh, the wide player with yeah, that cross? Yeah, with the cross, possibly. It, yeah, possibly. But it's we're talking a yard or two, so it's not it's not a it's not a mistake. It's just 
in that moment, could you have done something slightly different? But is Lindelof getting caught under the ball a mistake? Yes, it is. Is Wambasaka letting his, his player go on inside him, which is where the striker wants to be, a mistake? Yes, it is. So in that moment, there was three mistakes that, that added up to that goal, starting off with Paul Pogba. Um, and it's not good. So United get away with it again. United go 1-0 down in this game. A game that they should they should control this kind of match against Brighton. They should be at the hash, they should have too much for Brighton. And I think in the first 10 minutes United popped the ball around really well. They looked like they were full of energy and ideas and it looked really good. Yeah. And then after the 11th minute onwards, it kind of went back to Manchester United from 3 months ago. So it's a problem because we know I was looking at the bench at half time and I was thinking, well what what can you do here? And I think it was quite evident. We'll talk about Cavani as well now. I've said it again repeatedly. Cavani is not a starter. And it's not whether he's good enough to be a starter. Again, it's like saying, is Paul Pogba good enough to play in the double pivot? Well, yes. Cavani is good enough to be a starter. But he's the wrong player in the 4-2-3-1 in the way Ole wants to play it. He's got all the movement of a great number nine. We know this. And if you put the ball in his head from seven, eight, nine yards... What's going to happen? You're going to score. But United don't really play that game. They play a more. They play the channels they want to play more in transition. And Cavani's just not very good at that. It's just not what he. And you can see it when Bruno's got the ball and he's trying to feed the channel. Cavani doesn't really read it ever. And 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 from day one to where we are now, and we were saying, I think in the early games, Haydar, you know, what what what's going on with Bruno and Cavani? They don't really read each other. What's going on there? And it's just that Cavani doesn't suit. That style, that's all it is. And that's why if he leaves the football club at the end of this season, it won't be the biggest loss in the world. You just have to go and fix whatever your problems are. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I mean, I think the comments uh, today are definitely mirroring what you're saying about Cavani. I would agree. Look, I sat there today, Rob, and I thought, look, he was very poor today. He looked very, very rusty. I think you can attribute some of that to the fact he has hardly played. But... He's not, I think it's fair he's, no, not he's not started for a month. He's not started for a month. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. think I just think with Cavani, you make a great point about the crosses. Today, one of the biggest problems for me, Rob, is that United, I don't feel like they expose or, or use width well enough today. And when you're doing that, I don't think we have players that look to cross it in. Mason's improved that, but Marcus isn't going to go and put a cross in. Luke Shaw's improved at that. But you're completely right. When you're looking at United's side, how many players are putting crosses in? How many players are looking to find Cavani in the box? They're not. So then you have to look at the rest of Cavani's game. Now he's got he has got fantastic movement. I really do think today he was he was just not match fit. I thought Marcus wasn't match fit. I thought Pogba didn't look match fit either. When you've got three players in your side in key positions, Rob, striker mm -hmm. in your in your pivot and out on the wing, and probably your most direct and most uh, influential you know wide player, that that does take its toll. I'm not taking it away from the fact that United were poor today. They were really bad and they were disjointed, and we we were lucky in my opinion to get the win in the end, but. When you're looking at Cavani, and it's such a the, the number nine, in, especially in, in any team, but in Oli's system is very, very important. Got to hold the ball up. We've got to bring others into the game. The synergy bet between Cavani and Bruno is definitely not working. We talked about it, remember, at the beginning, as you mentioned, um, maybe when Cavani joined. When Bruno wants to press, he wants to press from the front, but obviously Cavani is usually in the way. I just think that when Cavani plays, it limits Bruno's ability to get forward past, you know, past the number nine, get into the box. And I think that when you're looking at Cavani's, you know, position now in the team, I do agree with you. I know I said earlier on in the season, I think he probably could have been a starter, but you're looking at Martial as well. If Martial had put in a performance like Cavani tonight, he would have been absolutely slaughtered for it, Rob. And that's the reality. Yeah, but I also think that it's important that we don't play that game because it's very easy to kind of do the whole what about thing, which is kind of famous on social media going, well, if he had done this or he had done that, I'm sure it's a wash on Twitter as we're speaking right now of people and accounts doing that and saying, well, if so-and-so did this because I like that player and if he had done that, it doesn't matter. Just forget all of that. It's just pointless. What does matter is what's right for Manchester United now and in the present and how do you fix stuff? So I think we look at Cavani, he's a short-term fix. He was a good short-term fix. And even now, I would keep him next season. If he wanted to stay at United and he was going to go and sit on a bench and give us 20-minute cameos, I think he'd give you 15 goals a season from 20 minutes. Yeah, I think the issue, Rob, I, I feel like I don't think he wants... To, I know we've seen a lot of reports come out about Cavani. Obviously, you know, he's 
reports about Boca Juniors. They want to go back to South America. I feel like he'll never not give 100%, but I, I don't feel like he wants to stay a little bit longer. It doesn't seem like someone mm. who, who settled in Manchester. I don't know if that's true. I, I, I think he, from, from what we hear, he is settled in England, but he, he did say, and towards the end of his PSG spell, that if he didn't find the club that he wanted to play for, and obviously he signed for United, that he was happy to go back to Uruguay. He wanted to go and live on his farm and give up football. He was kind of all right with that. But the United challenge was a good one. It's something that he wanted to do. He understood the role he came into play. You know, he wasn't going to be a starter every week, but he could he could show what he wanted to do. And playing in the Premier League is always a good thing to tick off for, for players. Um, Boca Juniors are a huge club. You know, the... Some football fans know who they are and some don't. Boca Juniors are, without a doubt, one of the top, you know, two or three or four teams in South America. And it would allow him to, in theory, go and live back in Uruguay. You know, it's not that far away from Argentina. He probably could commute via helicopters or whatnot. Uh, I'm sure they've got one at Boca Juniors from Buenos Aires back to wherever his farm is in Uruguay. So it's an option. And we hear his dad speak and all of these things. But don't be completely surprised if he stays at United and triggers that year because it's a good it's a good you know slice of wedge in terms of money. Boca Juniors probably can't pay what Man United pay, and wages do matter certainly at the end of your career. So I don't think that's too important, Haydar. You know, whether he wants to stay or not is a kind of hypothetical question that you and me cannot answer. What we can answer is is, is it the right thing in football terms for United? And as I said, if he was going to sit on our bench next year. Great, keep him. That's why I wanted him to come to the football club. Yeah. If, if he's going to be a starter for thirty or forty games, and then we've got problems. So, and and I that's, think this is what we saw with tonight, didn't we? And we've seen of actually course. when he has started the length of games, and then he gets injured because look, he's no spring chicken anymore. He's thirty-three years old, and, and this is why you need to manage him. You know, you need to manage players to make sure they don't get injured. And I think this is where Ole's caught between a rock and a hard place because tonight he had to play Marcus Rashford. Now Marcus Rashford's not fit. Paul Pogba, he, he he tried to sell it. Ole in the press said, "Oh, he's had kind of ninety minutes. He had a sixty-minute spell and a thirty-minute spell. So in theory, he's he's fit now, but he's not fit. He's getting there, but he's not fit. And you could see that certainly in the first half. Though I think in the second half, he kind of came into his own a little bit more. So United started today in Cavani not starting a match for a month with three players who are not technically match fit, and in the Premier League, that's enough to lose a match. So we got away with it today, and I think that Ole." Obviously, didn't really have a lot of choice. Um, I would quite like to see United start maybe leaning towards a false nine role where you could play Bruno higher up the pitch. We saw Donny come on for 10 minutes. I don't even know if he was on the pitch. Again, I need to see more. Well, when he came on, Rob, he came on as number 10. That was interesting. Bruno <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of left, uh, I suppose. Well, we picked up that position out wide, didn't he, Bruno? And he played it into Pogba. Pogba got the assist. Um, so we did see when Donny came on, he went centrally. So that was interesting. Look, small sample size. You can't really, you can't really make a make a judgment on what he's done. But that'll be interesting to see. Possibly if they're going to have to give Marcus, because Marcus went down, didn't he, down the tunnel to get some treatment. If Marcus is going to be out, will Oli shift things around? Will he push Pogba further up? Will he put Bruno? Will he shift Bruno out wide? I think we've seen before when Bruno's played out wide. I think it was against Arsenal uh, at home or Chelsea at home when he went out w wide right and Van de Beek went at number 10. United were, well, horrible. Bruno was almost non-existent, was he? It was horrible. It was a horrible, yeah. it was a horrible experiment. And the thing is, I know like we hear it all the time, again, especially on Twitter where people say, why does the manager not try this? Why does the manager not do that? Well, the manager kind of knows what's best because he sees it in training. He kind of knows. And I think with uh, Donny having some minutes for for the Netherlands was good. You know, he obviously scored the goal as well uh, against, I think, I think against Gibraltar. Yeah, uh, Gibraltar. So that, that's a positive. But in that kind of 10 minutes, you need to kind of see a little bit more endeavour. You can't do anything in 10 minutes in terms of like changing the complete, the whole match and really impressing. But he still just looks... He just looks like a reserve player who you've brought on, a bit like Dan James did in that last 10 minutes. No, just kind of a little bit of running around and not a lot of you know effectiveness. So I think that's something that United could probably only solve in the transfer market. But I would like to see United start playing a more of a false system. And what I mean by that is that if you haven't got a number nine because Martial's injured, because Cavani's not suited, 
Start playing a false nine system. You can do it in a four-two-three-one, and you can do it effectively because Bruno can is like ready-made for that role. You don't need Bruno in midfield. Uh, and again, today people were kind of saying, "Well, you know, he didn't play McTominay, and now he's just going to go back to McTominay." But I'm sorry to say, people, as it stands, McFred is the best choice for the pivot because they give you the most energy. They're not great ball players, but that's not where you win the football match. Brighton were really happy in the first half with Man United trying to start attacks from the wrong side of the halfway line yeah, because the pivot's there. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so don't start that there. You know, don't don't be that kind of team. Let Fred screen. Let McTominay go because he's been doing that all season. Scored what seven, eight, nine goals this year. So he's proved he can come from deep and score goals and play a more progressive game. And I think United got stuck today with the changes. It didn't quite work. And I said, Paul Pogba playing deep for me just nullifies a lot of things. And it's something that Ole needs to kind of work on going into next season because it will be a problem next year as well. But you've got to make sure that whoever comes in is more of a solution rather than just a make weight. So we talked about players like Sancho and Haaland. You can talk about these superstars till you're blue in the face. But it's about balance and about having options. And at the moment, United still feels like that the options are really tight. Yeah, I think, uh, look, Green Devil's saying here as well, you know, playing, we played 4-3-3 with Bruno as a false knife for a few games, I think, prior to Liverpool <clears throat> in January. Um, he did very well. I think when a lot of people have also said, you know, possibly Donny there, <clears throat> my biggest issue, Rob, with Donny as a false nine is that he, firstly, hold up play, secondly, in t you know, the intensity, um, you know, sort of off the ball. Bruno is so much more aggressive, isn't he, when he's pressing. And I, I just wouldn't want to see Donny there. Possibly you could see Donny behind Bruno. That could be the way forward. Or you might want to put Pogba behind Bruno. There are options there. Um, look, I thought today one of the issues for me was that I thought, like you said, from deep, we didn't progress the ball very well. I'd still look to play Pogba deeper. I know uh, you, you know, would like to see him further forward, but I still think United's problems, as you said, with McFred is ball progression. and. Um, I still like to see Pogba deeper. I think he's, it's the first game he's played in quite a while, um, you know, for United. And I just think that he'll have to play into it a little bit more to get up to speed. But Rob, let's talk about uh, Mason Greenwood because he got another goal. So that's now two goals in the Premier League. He looks sharp tonight. I'm delighted for him. We're talking about the false nine. We're talking about who will play number nine for Man United. Why not Mason Greenwood? For me, I, I've been saying this for a while now. We know that we've spoken about Haaland. We've spoken about Sancho. But uh, I think Mason's getting better. His all-round game is getting better. He's more creative. He's holding the ball up better. Uh, he looks like he's filled out as well. You know, why Why can't he make the most of Martial being out injured? Why can't he take that number nine spot? Because I think Oli's shown this season that he is willing to play him there a little bit more. And he's not going to improve unless he gets game time then. From now to the end of the season, if Mason can get himself ahead of Cavani playing in that position, um, you know, there's no reason why he can't really take that opportunity and establish himself as a real contender for that position next season. Yeah, well, I think that's exactly what we're going to see. We will see Mason Moore as the nine. So I, I tweeted at halftime the change that I would have made. I know what you're saying about Pogba. I respect that. But I think the, the, the problem is, is that if you play Pogba deep, then you have to change really the whole system. The system doesn't really work. But if you play Pogba in the three behind the striker, it just means you've got more quick one-touch passing in there. And if you've got a striker who's got a bit of pace and can move into the channels then it, it can work. And that's actually why Martial was the first, the starting number nine, because he can do that. But of course, Mason can also do that. So I think it's good to see Mason hitting the target. We saw that today. You know, he got his goal. It's a good kind of striker's goal, you could call it, getting his head on a ball with the ball, ball being shanked back into the box from, uh, from Pogba. But I, I just think United need more than just one trick. And this is the issue about what do you do? Who do you go and buy to fix it, you know, who, who takes you to the next level by fixing two or three things in one go. And it's Haaland. By Haaland, Haaland gets you 40 goals a year with his eyes closed and you make the system about Haaland. So did we, did we create enough? That, did we create enough today, Rob? Was the issue today Cavani not being, like, was it issue Cavani missing chances? You know, would Haaland have made any difference? Because I don't remember Cavani getting, I know, Harlan's movement's fantastic um, and he almost creates for himself. But today wasn't an issue for me about Harlan. It was more about what was behind, what was, you know, what was from deep, what United had from deep rather than what was up top. Okay, let's use the stats as our basis. As I said, this is a tactical show, so let's use some tactics. 
Man United generally make about 15 chances a game. I don't know what it was today. Well, I've, let's have a quick yeah, look. Yeah, 15 across the bottom. 15 today as uh, well. So 15 is... chances and it was two missed, Rob. All right, 15 chances is the base level, four big chances today. If you get 15 chances in a game, Haaland's going to score twice. It's just how it is. Man United make 15 chances a game and don't score enough goals. So we are making chances, even though they might not be things of beauty. You know, we look about Man City and how they pass the ball. If you get De Bruyne on the edge of the box or you get uh, Sterling or you get Gundogan, they can create these kind of beautiful goals. Man United don't do that. United don't have the creativity to do that. However, they do have players who can create. You've got Shaw Wide, whose productivity has gone through the roof this year. You've got Pogba, if you play higher up the pitch, who can facilitate. We've got Bruno. You've got Rashford. You've got Martial in certain positions who can do certain things. If you get those bits right and you've got a 40-goal-a-season striker up top and you make 15 chances a game, that striker scores one or two every match. And United don't have that. So we want Mason to be that player. And we do believe in Mason and we believe that he can be a number nine. But if you really want to win things, Haydar, if you want to win the Champions League and you want to win the Premier League, you've got to go out and spend the money on the big primary player that takes you over the top. Does Sancho take this United team over the top at the moment? For me, no. I think he's a great player and I'd love him at United. I do think we need to look at right backs. I do think that we might be looking for a Pogba replacement in the summer. So yeah, these what, what are... is the news, Rob, coming out? With Paul, because we're seeing a few things. We saw There's, the other day that obviously Juventus don't look like they're going to be able to afford him. We we could have guessed that, but is there a chance he's going to he's going to sign on for another year or a right, couple the, of years? the truth is the truth is no one can afford anyone at the moment. No team in the world, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Man City, anyone Juventus can afford anyone in the same way that maybe they could a year or two ago. So that's the starting point. But it doesn't mean there won't be transfers. It doesn't mean that players won't move because players will adjust their demands and clubs will negotiate. This is how it works. So will Paul Pogba end up at Juventus? I think it would be a strange move to go back to Juventus. There's nothing about Juve that makes me think that he's going to go there and think, well, I can win everything at Juve. They're not really in that picture. Um, would he want to go back there and you know, play second fiddle to Ronaldo? What's going on with Ronaldo? Will he be there next year? Do they need to rebuild? I'm not quite sure that Juventus are going to want to spend 70, 80, 90 million on Paul Pogba. That's where it is with that. I do think he's happy at United. This is what we hear. It's a consistent tone. There isn't a lot of chitter-chatter from the usual channels of where, where you might hear something. But we're about to go into silly season and things can happen. So I think that this season is going to be about Haaland, you know, this, this next transfer window and about where Haaland goes because everyone wants him. Everyone will pay the wage. It's that no one really wants to pay the fee. So who can negotiate that fee? Now, Borussia Dortmund showed with Sancho last year that they will dig their heels in. And if they don't get the fee they want and they don't have to trigger the transfer, the release clause till next season, that's a big part of this, um, that they can charge whatever they want. And they want 120 million and plus and a bit more. Like that, yeah. But do you know what? If you're Man United, you've got to decide, do you go and buy three players for 100 million or do you say to yourself we'll make sales we'll get rid of players we'll move van der Beek on for 20 million we'll we'll move uh, uh one of the defenders out because they're not going to get games we're going to look at alternatives to try and trim the squad and then put all your eggs in one basket that's not ideal but that's what i would do i would go and get harland at all costs now because he's your generational talent but United are not top of the queue at the moment in terms of... Yeah, I mean, there's a question, he wants to question go to. here, Rob, from uh, Best in Canton asking, where do you think Haaland will go? I don't see Haaland in Manchester United, Rob. Um, you know, obviously, he's met Barcelona, he's met Real Madrid, uh, he's met Manchester City, he met Manchester United, didn't he? Um, you know, Real is doing his little tour of Europe, um, hawking out Haaland. He, look, he can go wherever he wants. It's quite clear... I mean, he said this the other day, and it's quite clear that Haaland wants to win trophies. Now, if I'm being brutally honest with you, Rob, and this is not being negative, but Manchester United, if you want to win trophies, United aren't the place to go where you can almost guarantee that you're going to challenge for titles every single season at this time. Right now, you yeah, can't say yeah. United are the sort of team that are going to guarantee those trophies. What United can guarantee is perhaps the project. They can guarantee um, the, you know, sort of, 
you know, the money as well. You've got to be brutal about it. United can pay the wages. They could probably pay the fee. Um, you know, there's a question, another question I'm going to add on Rob um, here saying, is Holland alone enough to get us where we want to be? My issue with it, I know we disagree on the fact, you know, you think that we create enough chances. chances. I don't think we create enough quality chances, high quality chances. There's a good comment here from, I can't even pronounce it splendiferous criferous um uh, and he's saying here that it's not harland we don't create enough high quality chances i'll bring it up on the screen a uh, huge number of those 15 chances a game are pot shots you've seen with harland that as sancho has been out for the last was it three or four games harland's harland struggled and i'm looking at this Manchester United team right now how many of them are creators in that front line Barring Bruno Fernandez, is Marcus Rashford the creator? No. Is Mason Greenwood the creator? No. Oh. Unless you're going to be saying to Traore, you know, Ahmad, that he's going to go and play and he's he's going to be trusted to do that. Paul Pog believes how many creators do you have in this Manchester United team? Not a lot, um, you know. And I, I do think that's where Harlan will struggle. Not that he's not as good. And sorry, not that he's, um, you know, he's not one of those players that can't have a one chance, one sh you know, one shot goal sort of player. But I just think that when I'm looking at Harland. Yes, I'd absolutely love him. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but he doesn't fix all the United's problems. And I do think that, and I'm not the biggest on Martial, but if he's got another season in him, he can't play as badly as he has this season. He's shown that he can score the goals um, when he's on it. Bring Sancho in the team, much more creativity. United will score a lot more goals. You're not going to have another season where nearly two out of the three, Mason and Martial, are going to be this, this bad in terms of goals in front of goal. There's just no way it happens again. So... That's where I'm seeing it. I would definitely love Haaland. If you told me Haaland's coming to United tomorrow, I'd absolutely bite your hand off. But I don't think he fixes that creativity problem, especially when you're losing ball, uh, Paul Pogba. Right. Well, this Man United team, where it is at the moment, with no creativity, with all these issues, with all these problems, are second in the league. So they've only got one place to find, get their way up in. That's first. That's where they've got to be. That's where they've got to kind of, when they're thinking, where do we go next season? You're right. All of these issues that we talk about week after week after week and have done for like two, three, four years, certainly in Ole's time, historical issues that keep rearing their heads. How do you fix them? Well, of course, you could just sell players and buy players. So you could say, well, we need two or three or four or five. But if you get that recruitment wrong of those five, then you go backwards. That's how it works. I'm looking at Manchester United as, as a base point where we are. Now, like I just explained, we don't create chances in the same way that Manchester City do with the kind of intricate passing webbing systems around the box. It's not really what United are. It's not what they'll ever be. But what you need is a predator. And Manchester United don't really have a predator at the club. Cavani has predatorial instincts. There's no doubt that Mason could become a predator, but it's still yeah. a, it's still a really young player. You know, like we, we, we're putting a lot, we're putting house on these kind of young lads and kind of say, well, yeah, this is where we're going to go. And, you know, Martial, has he got another year? I, I'm not interested in all of those things anymore. I'm thinking what gets you over the top? Where am I going to get my 30 goals from next year? And I don't see it from the other guys. Now I look at it this way. You look at Rashford's goal today. And it came from Bruno. Bruno kind of collected the ball from the channel yeah. and he slid the ball in and Rashford gets round the side and slides the ball home. A really, really good finish. That's what Man United are good at. If you can do that several times in a game with someone like Haaland in those areas, he's just going to score. Just simple as that. He'll hit the target and he'll work goalkeepers non-stop. And what we're seeing is that our centre forwards, our strikers, our number nines, call them whatever you want. Don't do that enough. And that's where, like, the word there was used was pot shots. That's why we have pot shots, because we don't have lethal players. I quite often thought it's today. I, I was going thinking before the match and afterwards about, about United and thinking, what is it that, what, what would I change if I was Ole? How would I, how would I get these players to do more? And I'd be like, hit the bloody target more. They don't hit the target. They, they just, they kind of, they just, eviscerate around the box and they don't really there's no, there's no one who is really a predator and that's why i think harland if you get harland in that's your starting point Haydar, to build then next year yeah you might have to go and buy a facilitator but you've got the guy the guy that if he's in any other anyone's team that they win and you don't no matter what you do you can have 10 creators but they've got him it's a bit like lewandowski it's that kind of it's that kind of 
uh, theories like Aguero at, at City. Harry Kane as well, Rob. He's Harry doing Kane. himself at Spurs. I mean, he's, yeah. that, I mean, that's another question I want to bring into it because there is a lot of conversation about Harry Kane wanting to leave. Um, look, the way I see it, I think Harry Kane is a fantastic player. I mean, look, 19 goals, 13 assists. He's top of both charts. He's almost single-handedly doing it. When I look at Harry Kane, Harry Kane, you know, it's almost like he doesn't need as much service as Holland does. That's how I see it. But Kane, look at the age, look at the injury record. Let's be completely honest with you. He has got ankles like, you know, sort of Jacob's crackers. He does get injured a lot. Um, so I'd be looking at Haaland and the price is probably probably going to be fairly similar. Um, but what are your thoughts on Kane as well? Because there are a lot of lot of um, reports that it could be either Kane or Haaland. I think United have got to be smart and go for the guy that's got more longevity. Yeah, Man United not interested in Harry Kane. Gets injured too often. It's not happening. So you're not going to play literally what could be 150 million. I think Spurs will want more for Kane than than uh, Dortmund will want in the end for Haaland in terms of a deal. And Kane will cost more in wages. He just will because he's at that stage of his career. Um, you might get Haaland slightly cheaper than what your going rate would be for someone like Harry Kane. United are not going to buy Harry Kane. He just gets injured. So... I don't think it's even an option for fans to kind of dream of. You know, yes, would he score 30 goals a year for you at Man United? Of course he would. But he would also probably spend 20 or 30 or 40 or maybe even a whole season worth of football on the sidelines because he can't stay fit. And I think if you do that, the gamble is too big to, to put your your team on that. And that's why if you, if you bring in someone like Haaland, who, yes, there's premium in terms of the fee, yes, you'd have to try and find ways to get him opportunities. I think at least that is your starting point to becoming a championship winning team. That's the way I look at it. So we talked about Real Madrid and Barcelona there. Both of those two teams in years gone by, of course, have got all the cash and all the money and all the allure. I don't. I can't see him going to La Liga. They haven't got the money. They haven't got it. Do you, do you see City as the, the one that rivals United the most? For him? I know Chelsea as well have been been linked with him as uh, you know and we know that um look we know that ollie's got the relationship with him i just rob i just don't see it i just don't see him picking manchester united not the other way around i think united are very interested we know that i just don't see him picking manchester united i don't think united is the club that he wants to go and win trophies at doesn't mean we can't win trophies but right now we can't guarantee that i think city are a genuine threat because obviously they've lost aguero but i think guardiola made it pretty clear the other day that their situation is that that's not what they're going to do. They're not. They're not interested in players in that marketplace of a hundred million. They're just not going to do it. They've never done it. They've they've spent plenty of money, of course, over the years. They are more likely to go and buy Danny Ings. That's what they'll do. Danny Ings will go in there, score twenty goals a year. He'll be able to go in and out the rotation. There'll be no pressure on him. And they're still look, look at them now. They don't need Aguero. They're still winning. You know, false nine, yeah. You know, De Bruyne gets injured for eight weeks. No one cares. They still win every week. So, 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 so they're not in the position that United, Real Madrid, and all of these teams that we just talked about, Barcelona, in terms of their rebuilds are in. They don't have to spend that money and they don't want to and they don't want to play that game. So they can go and get a striker that fits the mould, fits their system like a Danny Ings. He's in the last year of his contract. What will he cost? Maybe 30, 40 million. It's easy, isn't it? You know, last year, what did they do? They went and bought Nathan Ake. They will go and shop in those places that other maybe more snob fans will go, I'm too much of a snob to look at those football well, clubs. Liverpool did the same thing, Rob, and they built a title winning and Champions and they League built a club, fight. exactly. Yeah. They built a club that won, that won everything. So you can do it. And I'm, I'm not saying, you know, United might even go and look at someone like Danny Ings. He, they might be someone because Danny Ings fits United's system as well. But I think that if you can go and get the guy who might be the premium footballer in world football for the next decade and you can get him now he'll cost che he'll be cheaper now than he'll ever be so if you pay 150 million for him you better bet that if he turns into the player that everyone thinks he's going to be he's going to be outstripping what Neymar cost going to PSG in years to come does he want to come to Man United of course that's a big question it's a it's an expansive question the only answer I'll give you is this Manchester United on paper when it comes to these things are still in that top 3 bracket in the world that's they are. They're bigger than Man City. They're up there with Barcelona. They're bigger than Liverpool. They're, they're, they have that kind of financial allure that football that footballers look for for their own brands. If you do well in a Man United shirt and you're there and you win trophies, you become a super brand. That's why Paul Pogba came back to United. You know, this is why top players 
still like Manchester United. So it's 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 whether United have got the money, Haydar. So whether United can actually put together a deal and say that that is what they want to do. Yeah. But I do understand what you're saying and what some of our, our viewers are saying about it doesn't solve all of the problems, and it doesn't. But as I said, the starting point is that Man United are second. If they start, if they end this year as the second place team, what do, what can they do to get better? Well, you could go and buy three or four players, and that will make you better. But striker, I think, is going to be a nagging problem for United in the next 12 months unless you go and buy one. Because I think Mason's going to be great. I think Martial, there is still room in there for him to maybe grow, though I'm kind of losing a little bit. Yeah, of, I think he's, he's a little bit he's of rope, isn't he? A little bit. United have got you know kids who, who look good in terms of like you know can they score goals in the in the reserves and yes they can because they're proving that. But do I want to build my championship winning team around that? Not really. You have got to think about when Man City started their project, they got Aguero, and then they built around that. They went and got the striker who's going to get them hundreds and hundreds of goals. And then they went, we'll go and buy the next player behind and the defender and then the fullbacks. And because that's how you do it, Haydo. You build from the top. Yeah. You can you can build from the back as well if you get your centre back, but there's not many centre backs around at the moment. You can say, right, there's your Van Dyke, and then you go. Liverpool did that. Liverpool built from the front. Yeah, they've got their, their attack sorted. Yeah, they got the their, boards, their yeah. midfield and they finished it off with their centre back and their goalkeeper. That's the modern game. That's how clubs build. And I think Man United want to take the next step. You've got to go and find that generational talent that gets you over the top. Sancho, I think, gets United closer. I don't think Sancho wins Man United a Premier League as it stands today. I still think United would be trailing Man City. But I think Harlan gets you goals and allows you to beat teams like Brighton with your eyes closed. And that's what United need to do. United struggle against bad teams. They shouldn't be struggling against Brighton, should they? This, this, no, should, be a, this should be a match where United turn up, score three or four goals, and even if they concede a bad goal like it did today, you still win the game. United have too much imbalance when it comes to that. They don't quite have that striker that's so dangerous in the box. Harlan <laughs> doesn't need quality chances. He just needs the ball at his feet somewhere 20 yards within that within that kind of zone of fear where defenders are going to be afraid of him. And he him being there will open up the door to other United players. It will open up the door for Bruno. It will open up the door for someone like Donny van der Beek as a second-man runner because everyone is petrified of Haaland and they just follow him around the box. That's how it works. You score more goals, you win more games. Absolutely. I think, you, uh, I think the point that really does sound out to me that you made was about, you know, the fact that now or never, isn't it? Really, if you're looking at Haaland, it is now or never. This is it. <laughs> and and now you've got to go and get him now. Absolutely. No, look, look. I wouldn't be upset if I, we got Sancho or Haaland. I'd be absolutely delighted. And it's, it's a step in the right direction. It's showing ambition. I think United need to at least get one of those players. Rob, let's let's quickly touch on De Gea and uh, Henderson okay, because yeah. Oli had a big, big um, decision. And, you know, obviously it was a conversation with people before the game. Who is he going to pick? And he went for Dean Henderson. Now, BT put up some of the, the stats from this season. So I'm just going to read them out. Um, you know, De Gea's played 29 and Henderson's played 19. So both played a considerable amount of games. Oli did say he's got two number ones. De Gea's had 10 clean sheets, Henderson 11, uh, despite, you know, in 10 less games. Goals conceded per game for David De Gea is 1.3 and Henderson's is pretty much half at 0.7. I think you've got to take into account some of the opposition as well, uh, but still it's impressive for Henderson. Save percentage is key for me, Rob, here. 65% for De Gea, 79% for Dean Henderson. Saves per game, 2.4 for David and Henderson, uh, Henderson a bit more with 2.6. And then the pass accuracy, 75% for David De Gea and Henderson, 70%. I'm not surprised by that. Looking at that, Rob, obviously that's the stats. Not really too much to separate them. I think the key there is the goals conceded. What are your thoughts on this? Because I think, look, I was a bit concerned about Henderson getting the role. I was like, is he ready? Is he not? I think now looking at it, we've seen Henderson play. He does communicate better. Um, he has played well. He has taken the opportunity. I did think today he was a little bit shaky, if I'm being honest, under the high ball. We saw he fumbled uh, across. I don't really blame him for the goal. I think he he made that first save. The second one was difficult to make, obviously, well, but it got the rebound. Um, but look, David Hayes just had a daughter. He's probably going to want to be closer. United have got a huge amount of goalkeepers on the wage bill. I mean, I think I saw the other day it was close to 550,000 combined with all their goalkeepers. They've got to get Romero off there as well. 550,000. You've got Romero sitting there on 70K a week doing nothing. 
no, Haaland not just his fault. Than that. Yeah, exactly. Just get Harley, rid of some goalkeepers Haaland. and then Haaland's wage paid. Yeah. And you've got the wages, exactly. But having a look at it, you know, it's it's a big decision now for Oli, but I think it's time United look to move De Gea on. And I really, I love, I absolutely love David De Gea. Not to be too sentimental, but over the last seven years where United have been, we've been shocking, to be honest with you. But David De Gea's had some fantastic seasons, absolutely memorable seasons, uh, some absolutely mind-blowing performances. But he is, for me, probably in decline. Is Henderson, like the, the finished article, is he a massive step up? Probably not, Rob. Probably not at this current moment. But he has got that ceiling, hasn't he, to get a lot better. And uh, it's time, I think, that United look to move him on. But do you think that we're going to get a situation where United look to perhaps even pay De Gea out of his contract? Because no one's going to be spending large amounts, especially with that wage. Dean Henderson is now Manchester United's number one goalkeeper. It's just, that's it. It's done. Uh, I said at the start of the season that the transition for that was going to happen over this 12-month period. And what United were going to have to decide, and what Ole was going to have to decide, was whether he trusted... Dean Dino to come in now and to do the job without United going into some kind of decline because they've made that decision. I think it's quite clear that Man United are not going to get worse by letting David De Gea, David De Gea go now. That's not going to change. And that's what Ole had to kind of decide in this kind of six-month period, in this 12-month period, to find out whether Henderson could really live up to the hype and do it. Now, let's be honest, he's still not really being tested. You know, this is not a, you know, he's got plenty of clean sheets. He's really done well, you know, in the cup competitions and and he looks assured in general. You know, you can see he's a confident lad. He's kind of felt that he's been born to this. He's been at the football club a really long time in terms of uh, coming through the youth system. Um, United generally don't have a lot of success with academy goalkeepers, but he will be the first one really since... Uh, I think going, Gary Walsh was the last one a very, very long time ago. In general, where do United go from here? Well, David Hayes is on a very big wage. That doesn't really matter. People, again, talk about these things like they are the deciding factor contracts and you don't do the business because. I think, ultimately, David Hayes is kind of coming to the end of his cycle as the number one. Doesn't mean that he can't go somewhere else and be really, really good. But United have to decide about Henderson. And I think it's quite clear that today you can bring De Gea straight back in and we go back to parity and everything goes back to normal and Henderson sits on the bench and there's nothing to talk about. But that's not what happened. That's not what Ole did. This is a kind of run-of-the-mill Premier League game and, and Ole decided that it was time for Henderson to start this match. It'd be really interesting to see if Henderson starts the Europa League games or... Are we going to see a switch now? Is David De Gea going to be the cup goalkeeper? That would be an indication, wouldn't it, Rob, that De Gea has been relegated to the second choice. I mean, look, he's not on bad second choice, is he? He's still a number one goalkeeper that can play. Look, he's still a fantastic yeah. goalkeeper. Anyway, like, I, I think because of his standards and how good he has been for United, a player that's kept United in the top six on his own at, for many seasons, that people kind of look at it in this kind of way of like, you know, Two two players, one versus each other, and and who and who what and maybe. As it is, Henderson is the young gun. He's the guy that United are going to build around. Again, we talk about his pieces, and will Dean Henderson ever be as good as peak David De Gea? I don't think he ever will be. I think De Gea, in his very very top of his game, was the best goalkeeper in the world. But that David De Gea isn't the one we've got now. It's a yeah. different one. Do I think Dean Henderson could be the best goalkeeper in the world? No, I don't. I don't. I think he's a good goalkeeper. I think he could be England's number one for many years. He could be one of the top two or three or four goalkeepers in the Premier League. And that still might be enough to get you to a title. And that's what United need to decide is that, do, you know, can you not specifically rob Peter to pay Paul, but if you lose your big goalkeeper who's on 350 grand a week, but then you have got another one who's on kind of 200 and is still in the top, five goalkeepers in the world paid. Like, you know, he's not a kid. He's earning no money. He's in one of the best contracts of any goalkeeper in Europe that you've got your ready-made replacement. That's what United will do. And United will do that simply because the money's got to go on other things. So you can't just say, right, get rid of both and let's try another goalkeeper or a different style or more of a sweeper keeper. Find your Allison, find your Edison. It's not going to happen. You've got Henderson. You need to give him a year now. You need to say next year you are the number one. And like everything, you've got to prove yourself. So, you know, if you don't prove yourself in a year's time, then you'll be doing a carrius and you'll be out the football club. So 
I think that's kind of the, the way it will shift. And I think with Man United, they'll be looking at kind of the danger positions and what they need to do next year to become better. Goalkeeper is not one of those positions. And we could name four or five positions here that United need to strengthen in. But yeah. they'll probably have to choose one or two just to kind of push themselves on, whether it be a striker or a midfielder or a right back, because I still think right back is a question, or even a centre-back. I think today we saw again Lindelof making Lindelof problems for himself. The question and is, that, though, Rob, that's if you're looking to, Yeah, I agree with that completely. I don't think goalkeeper is a priority, but if you're looking to shift David De Gea out, Romero is going to go as well. Who's your second choice? Are you looking to bring in someone, um, you know, on a free, okay. someone who's a bit cheaper? You don't want okay. Lee Grant because if, if Henderson's injured, you've got yeah, but, a granddaddy but, Grant playing in, in um, you know, in goal. And that's a bit of a problem for United. It's, it's not good to have £550,000 yeah, a week worth of goalkeepers. So let's start at that point. So you have to get rid of players. So get rid of Romero. If you want to get rid of Grump because he's too old and doesn't do it, that's fine. But you need a system where you don't have two goalkeepers who kind of take all the airtime away. So if you end up going with Henderson... De Gea is not going to sit on the bench for 350 grand a week. He just isn't. United are not going to pay him that. United are going to try and move him. So what do you do? You just go and buy a young goalkeeper, Haydar, a 21-year-old or one of your kids, and you promote from within and you say, you're on 30 grand a week, mate, and you're my number two goalkeeper. That's how it works. That's the best way to do it. It's good to have premium stoppers. You always want that. But you go and look at um, Liverpool. What did they do? They go and pick up Adrian from who, who was West Ham's goalkeeper for a couple of seasons. Yeah, you can go up. and pick up veterans. You can go and pick up play, players for next to nothing. That's it. And 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 you don't make it something to worry about. You know, I think football fans sometimes over worry about the coverage of positions. Sort the position out first. And then you can kind of look at your reserves and build into that. And I think that will be how United will do it with Henderson. Yeah, I agree. I think the general consensus in the comments, Rob, and I think on Twitter is that, uh, look, David's been a fantastic servant. Um, you know, he's been mind-blowing at times, but I think it's time to move him on. He probably wants to be close to his family as well. And um, look, he probably wants an opportunity to play for one of the big Spanish clubs. I'm just looking at the clubs now. I'm not too sure if he'd even be able to go there. I'm not sure Real Madrid will want to go and invest because they've already got Courtois possibly Barcelona, but the Tustagan's a fantastic keeper. So, and then all blacks at Atletico, but um, look, I think he will go and I think it's the right decision. Rob, I don't think he'll go back to Spain. I don't think he'll go back to Spain. Do you think he'll go PSG? No, I, 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 think, been... I think he'll either go to France or Italy. That's what I think. Interesting. Maybe Juventus uh, will be looking at him. Question here, Rob, regarding Basuma. So our mm -hmm. thoughts on him today. Uh, the comment here says, I don't see him as a defensive midfielder. He's more of a box-to-box. -box. I agree with that, absolutely. And I've done uh, a podcast with Jeremy Smith, who's a Brighton fan, and he said exactly the same thing. Uh, he also gave the ball away. Will he be good for United? <clears throat> Rob, I've always been impressed when I've seen Basuma play. I think today wasn't really um, a true reflection of him. I thought Brighton, you know, they had much less possession than they usually do. They usually dominate. They've dominated possession against United many times, 43%. It was obviously a tactic uh, by Potter to essentially give United the ball, sit a bit deeper, be compact. Um, but he very much reminds me of Genie Wijnaldum when he was at Newcastle, a player that's got a lot of talent in terms of, obviously not the similar player because Wijnaldum played further forward, but that sort of player who is ready to take a step up to to a bigger club. I know he's been linked to Liverpool as well. Arsenal been linked with him. For me, he is a box-to-box. -box. I think if Paul Pogba goes, he's an option. I just, I, I really do like him, but I just don't know if he's the sort of player that's going to take United to the next level. I think there's better options out there. I think he's a really good, really good player. Um, I think he's done really well at Brighton. And I think the there's a lot of upside in terms of his development, what he could be. But I agree with you. I don't think he takes United to the next level. I don't look at him and think, yeah, you drop him into United's midfield and Basuma fixes everything or puts United that much further on. Uh, I know people will kind of compare him to McTominay or Fred and there's all uh, a million valid reasons why you would prefer Basuma over one of them or, or the other. But I don't think systematically, and this is what I always think about tactically, it's why we do this podcast, in the in the realms of four two three one, does Bazuma take you to the next level? No, but would I like him? Yes. It, how much would he cost? You might be talking forties, thirty to forty. Yeah, yeah, forty million for a player that maybe doesn't get in your team. I don't know. I just think that again, it, that's a, that's more of a transfer. That I think United 
would be interested in, but only if they got some significant discount. They're a player of that standard who maybe is in the last year of his deal and that they could exploit to, to bring someone in. You know, the, the comment here now coming up on the screen that you've put up there, should we go for Yuri Tillemans? Tillemans, Tillemans yeah, is a great player. He would allow you to play different systems and United have looked at him before. They'd looked at him before he went to Leicester and they were interested. So they know a lot about him. They've scouted him. But of course, we all see him in the Premier League every week. We know how good he is. And again, if you now go and buy a Tillemans from a team who are in the Champions League like Leicester, how much is it going to cost you? Yeah. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Are you going to pay that fee to get him out of Leicester? And does he win, then win you the title at, what are we talking, 70 million-ish? You know, maybe? You know, we, we, he might cost more than Paul Pogba would would sell at. He will, Rob, but they don't need to sell Leicester. They don't need to sell. And and, and the whole point is that if you there's a player that you think gets you over the top, and I use that term all the time because that's really what sport's about, about your levels and how do you get closer to where you want to be, then you pay the earth for them. So when United broke the transfer record of £32 million for a defender on Rio Ferdinand from Leeds United, that got United over the top. And it was a problem for a year or two before that where United's defence was just making error after error after error. And they bought Rio and that was the starting point of kind of fixing those issues. If you can find an equivalent player in world football today that gets you over the top positionally, great, go and buy them. But then there's not many of them. There just isn't. You can buy better players, but they've got to work within the system. Um, and then this, you can, might look at it the other way. People say, well, in that case, if the system doesn't work, then you get rid of the manager. You find another manager that takes you in a, a number of directions systematically. But hey, you could go and get Bielsa or someone like that. It doesn't mean it would work at United. It might look pretty at Leeds, but it might not work at Manchester United. I don't think it actually would. So I'm happy with the manager. I'm happy with the tactics. I'm happy with the system. But I think United need to upgrade certain players, but they need to recruit sympathetically. That's the best way I can put it. You're not, I don't think there's the perfect player out there for each position. The only player I would say that would be about would be Haaland. Absolutely. Well said, Rob. Final word. Look, for me, I'm just happy we got the victory. I was I was concerned that we we're going to be coming into this podcast thinking, right, United have dropped points and our our um you know our position or our rivals have also dropped points after the international break. United have finally taken advantage which is fantastic looks like we've got a bit more of a stranglehold on second um and also it looks like united are edging closer now to securing top four which is which we haven't done we haven't done it back to back i know we want more loftier expectations and targets i do as well i want to win the title but you know that is a that is an example of some progress and uh look united just have to keep on winning now is it seven or eight more games left till the end of season they've got to win for me the europa league um you know, it's 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 a positive, and uh, we keep on going. Yeah, we keep going. The Europa League is a big carrot for the end of the season, and let's see if United can get themselves into position to to win that to win that trophy. But I will reiterate what I've said before. For me, it's about United's position in the Premier League. How can they secure their place in the top four and then make the next step? And we'll see at this end of the season. One of the things that I kind of thought today that I thought was really pertinent was that United looked a little bit like the United of this time last season. In the, They looked a little bit jaded. They looked a bit tired. They're carrying injuries. Now, that's the same for most football clubs, isn't it? But you kind of compare and contrast. And I think United looked like that team. The difference is that they won this game, whereas last year they were kind of losing these kind of matches. But also, without trying to kind of dress it all up, it's a much easier gig when you're solidified in second and Leicester have just lost to a third or, or the team that kind of closest to you for second for you then to kind of get yourself to where you want to be. Now, this time last year, United were chasing, weren't they, that top four? And they were maybe still, were they outside the top four at this point of the season? They might have even been fifth at this point last year. Yeah, so, United were, yeah, they, it was really the last couple of Couple of yeah, games where they got into it wasn't. It, it wasn't. You know, it's not the star-spangled success that that fans crave, but it is progress. And I think that's that's the only place you can try and live in is that if it's progress, you stick with it and you keep going and you keep trying to find the next player that gets you a little bit closer or that one player that gets you over the top. So, lots of things that that weren't great today against Brighton. But ultimately, they got the victory after an international break where you've seen that teams have got headaches. Spurs, 
drop points against a really bad Newcastle team today. We saw that. You're seeing that teams are finding it difficult to hit their heights. I think the only team that really have impressed me this weekend, bar Manchester City as usual, is Liverpool. Liverpool looked like they kind of... Yeah, they were good. They looked like a team who suddenly thought, oh my God, we might not be in the Champions League next year. So they suddenly kind of put their foot on the accelerator. So they've got the talent there to kind of do that. But I think with United, United have got talent, but it is just trying to find a way where where they get consistency because they're just still not consistent. They're winning Rob, I'll, games. I'll leave, I'll leave everyone with a comment. Uh, sorry, a statistic here, which uh, someone provided me. Canton Arcola, he provided for me before the show. And he said, United have only led in 23% of their Premier League games this season. That's our worst ever record. That's atrocious. Um, yeah. United need to fix that. And that's that's a problem for me. While it's great to see United get into second, you know, win the Europa League would be fantastic as well. We still got a for me, it's still in some elements it papers over the cracks. Like the performance levels are not good enough, not consistent enough. We're doing it in spells. We're we're conceding first, but there's there is a fantastic resolve. No team has won more points from being behind. And that that's a positive. So there is a there is a spirit in this squad. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, if Man United sort their home form out, then they're title contenders, like genuine title contenders. So they can maintain their normal record on the road and then start winning their home matches or being more effective at home. Like I said with Brighton, just just win the game. Don't make it a big deal. Don't make it a song and dance. Don't, it's not a dr- drama. It's not an episode of EastEnders. Just go out there, win the game, and go home and relax. But United are not very good at that. They're still a bunch of drama queens, and they're still trying to ma- make games more difficult than they should be. But it might be the case that, you know, we talk about Paul Pogba, we talk about Bruno Fernandes, we talk about Marcus Rashford as our kind of cornerstones. It might be that losing Pogba is what fixes you because you lose him and you might buy someone who comes in and fixes that issue in midfield. So even though I love Paul Pogba and I would, I'd love to see him sign a new contract. I think he's, you know, he's, he's that caliber player that you do need to kind of build championship squads around. And I think that he's shown himself in the last 12 months that he has got it in him. If, If you lose him, then it's not the end of the world. You sell him, you get a good price for him and then you go and fix it with a new signing and someone who brings in new chemistry. And I think that that is, for me, you know, like a lot of people still hanging on this Van der Beek thing that Van der Beek will just step up next season no, and he'll no, fix no, no, all no. of that. There's such different players positionally and how they yeah. play the game that, that, that let's not go there. United yeah. need to go out and buy players. And if, if you do lose Pogba, then you won't just fix it with a Haaland. But if you lose Pogba and you buy Haaland and then you find a way in midfield somehow, like you said there, Amit Diallo or someone like that who, who maybe gets more minutes or Dan James steps up again, or you find balance. That's what it's about. It's not always about stars. It's just finding a balance on the pitch. United still don't quite have that. Even today, it's still a little bit too much of the Bruno Fernandes show. It's still a little bit, oh, Bruno's made a bad pass, therefore United won't win this game. You know, And that is not good enough. Not for me. That's not really what I want to see. Um, but there's not a lot of players out there that I could sit here now as a as a journalist and say to you, yep, they're the three players at United. Just go and buy those three. It's fixed overnight. You you make the next jump and you're there. I still think United need to look at these several positions because some of the play is still horrible. I think today in that first half, I just kind of was biting my lip thinking, there's so many horrible bits to this. First but, half was bad. Yeah. So and bad. the thing is, you, you either blame that on the manager or you blame it on the players or then you find the happy medium somewhere in it's the a, middle. It's a bit of both, Rob. You know, you, you have to say, this is not like it's the first time I'm doing this. I can understand if it happens, you know, maybe 20% of the times in your games in the season, you can say, okay, you know, perhaps the players aren't showing up. But it is a consistent pattern. And funny enough today, Rob, we started really, really well. I was like, well, United moving the ball nicely. Yeah. It's a bit of intensity. 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes incisive passing. You know, and, and in every game, really, most games this season, I can think of a handful of games where United have actually started just so quick out of the blocks and, and they've, and you know, they've won the if game. I, yeah. If I felt four, two, three, one was the problem, I would say it. I really don't think it's the problem. So I don't think it's an innate tactical issue. I think these players can play four, two, three, one. It's their favorite system. It's the manager's favorite system. And the reason for that is that that's, it works. It's like a hand in glove. You know, that's how it works. That's the, the best way to put it with these players. The only way to change systems is to buy different players. So if United went and bought different players, they can go and do other things. 
But I don't think 4-2-3-1 is what's stopping them from becoming champions. You know, so when I look at Ole, what can Ole do? I don't think a magical change to 4-3-3 suddenly gets you over well, the line. We, we saw what happened, didn't we, Rob? We went to 4-3-3. We got absolutely trashed by Leicester. We know we can't play 4-3-3 because we've got an issue at defence. Look at the Spurs field. game. When we got hammered by Spurs, that was a game where United fans went into it quite with their tails up. United have played quite well up to them. And United went into that game kind of going, well, here we go. We'll, we're, we're, we're up for a fight. Here we are. And they got they got battered. Yeah. And that's the problem is that you can't take things for granted. You've got to work it. You've got to keep working. So 4-2-3-1 isn't the issue, but it's what you put in that 4-2-3-1. And if you can find, you know, like I said, I don't think United are losing points because of the double pivot. So we talk about that. So we talk about Fred McTominay. I don't think that's why United are not near Man City. I think they're not near Man City because they've not been able to kind of control their form in front of goal. They could have scored more goals this season. 15 chances a game is really, really good. It shows that you're you're getting in the box and that you're getting shots off. But if you're not scoring as many it's goals... also the goals conceded, Rob. But you know, it's also the goals conceded. So that is a really, really big... And I think that that might be where we see the next sign-in. You know, like we're all sitting here talking about four, five, six different positions. But I still think that today, Ole maybe looks at that and, you know, your first words were, we won't go in on, Har uh, we won't go in on Lindelof. For me, seeing Lindelof get caught under the ball again for the thousandth time this season... If I'm the manager, I'm like, how do I fix that? I fix that by buying someone else. Well, Bailly you know? looks like he's off, doesn't he? It looks like he's yeah. I don't, but I don't think he's the right player. I don't think he's the right player for United. I think he's a re I think he's a good player when he's fit, and I think he's shown that he's had you know much more longer spells of fitness this season. But you know, does Bailly get you close to Man City? No, not really. So you have to try and find that defender. Obviously, we've gone over defensive transfer targets repeatedly and there are you know good solid mid-20 players out there who are ready for a step up in their career who you know maybe like Verd, like Van Dyke was when he went from Southampton to Liverpool looking for that that stage to perform and United have got got opportunities to do that they'll be able to do that in this transfer window to find a centre-back and it might be a centre-back even to replace Harry Maguire I don't think it will be I think Maguire will still be a starting centre-back next year but you've got to at least find one centre-back who's got pace who doesn't get caught under the ball, doesn't make mistakes, and still allows you to play out from the back. Yeah, you do. Guys, thank you so much for all your comments and your you know, your questions. Fantastic. Myself and Rob, very, very grateful. Please, please, please spread the word, retweets, uh, let people know about the Masterclass family. You know, we're growing every single week. You know, we the reason why we do this is because of all the fantastic interaction from you guys. Myself and Rob are very, very grateful. Make sure you check us out as well on Sports Social. We're part of their very first UK uh, dedicated sports network uh so you can find us on www.sportsocial.co.uk thank you very much for listening guys and we'll see you next time this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network